Welcome to From the Front Porch, a conversational podcast about books, small business, and life in the South. I've never listened to an audiobook before, and I have to say it's a totally different experience. When you read a book, the story definitely takes place in your head. When you listen, it seems to happen in a little cloud all around it, like a fuzzy knit cap pulled down over your eyes. Robin Sloan, Mr. Penumbra's 24-Hour Bookstore. I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia, and this week we're talking about audiobooks. Before we get started, did you know Audible is a wholly owned subsidiary of Amazon? I'm not sure I would have been fully aware of that fact were it not for my work in the bookselling world, which is why as both a consumer of audiobooks and as a bookstore owner, I am super grateful for Libro FM and the ways they partner with independent bookstores. If you're not familiar, Libro FM makes it possible for you to buy audiobooks through your local bookstore. You can head to Libro.fm, choose the bookstore you'd like to support, and that store will get a portion of every purchase you make. You can support the bookshelf by going to Libro.fm forward slash bookshelf Thomasville. You can buy audiobooks a la carte, or you can have a monthly membership just like other digital audiobook platforms. Jordan and I both have Libro FM memberships. Obviously, you can listen to audiobooks in whatever ways are most convenient for you. Many of my friends use Libro FM as well as Libby, a platform for libraries, but the bookshelf has partnered with Libro FM since its inception, and it's a joy to have a platform to recommend to audiobook listeners who want to support indie bookstores like ours. Just go to libro.fm forward slash bookshelf Thomasville to find out more. I could think of no better person to chat about audiobooks with than my husband, Jordan. Jordan is an attorney for the Florida House of Representatives, and he's an avid audiobook reader. He comes on the podcast annually to chat about March Madness, but I thought it would be fun to break tradition just a bit to share audiobooks we've both been listening to and enjoying over the last few months. Hi, Jordan. Hi, how's it going? Welcome to the podcast. It's great to break tradition. (laughs) It feels a little weird. Normally, we're doing this during basketball season, and this is not basketball season at all. It's definitely not. So welcome to From the Front Porch. Welcome back. We are talking about audiobooks, and I know that you are an audiobook listener, and in fact, were an audiobook listener when I was not. And I would like to publicly say, I am pretty sure if you dig deep into the trenches of the From the Front Porch back catalog, there may be an episode or two where I stick my nose up mm. or poo-poo mm-hmm. audiobooks. And I would just like to say, it's okay to change your mind. Mm. You know, I don't, I hope I never disparage them because I hope I've always thought they were good for other readers, even if they weren't good for me. But during the pandemic, I feel like I had a complete turnaround and audiobooks became a pretty big part of my reading life, perhaps not as big as they loom for you. But this is just a reminder that we we support we support the act of changing your mind when provided with new and better information. Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> and so anyway, you were probably an early adopter of audiobooks. Talk to me about your history of audiobooks, kind of why you like an audiobook. Why, I think, in fact, correct me if I'm wrong, do you prefer audiobooks to printed books? Yes. So, well, I think, first of all, I would say you are not the first person to judge me for audiobooks. And I never felt seriously judged by you. I was about to say, I hope I didn't judge you. No, but but other people do uh, and have. I remember about 10 years ago, I told a group of guys that I was with, uh, we were in like a reading club or something, and I told them a book club. You said no, no. It was it was it was like a it was like a Bible study. Oh, group. okay. That's what it was. <laughs> okay. And I had said something about how I had done some of my reading, you know, in the car, you know, via audiobook. And one of the guys was like, "Oh yeah, you know, you're not really eating. You're just kind of snacking." Ooh. Um, and and I and at the time oh. I kind of thought, well, yeah, I guess he's right. I mean, it's not. It doesn't take the same effort for me to listen to an audiobook. But the more that I thought about it and the more that I got into audiobooks, the more I realized that I am an auditory learner. Mm -hmm. And I think we're wired differently. And I retain a tremendous amount uh, when I do audiobooks. And I'm not snacking. I I actually remember things. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think everybody's different. 
you had voxed me before we started recording. You were on your way home today. And you were talking a little bit about kind of this hypothesis you have about two types of readers, or maybe maybe it's two types of learners. The person who has to reread in order to understand, or the person who has to rewind right, in order right. to understand. And I... I am a visual learner. Mm-hmm. And so audiobooks are good for me. And we'll talk about the ways in which I use audiobooks and the ways in which I incorporate them into my life. But I am someone who will occasionally catch myself thinking, oh, no, I don't know what that person just said. Mm. I need to rewind. Or th- thanks to context clues, I can figure it out. But I am not someone who perhaps if I need to read something carefully, let's put it this way. If I need to read something carefully, I need to read the printed version because mm. – the audio version does not necessarily nestle as deeply into my brain (laughs) as the printed format does. But you are different. Yeah, I think I'm different. I I think the way that I first came to audiobooks was, um, I mean, I remember even as a a teenager listening to things on CD and and they resonated with me. And I remember in law school, we had to read a book and I, I, I went up to my professor and I said, can I listen to this? on CD. And he said, oh yeah, that's fine. And, and I, uh, also started to realize, you know, friends of mine would give me recommendations and say, Ooh, you know, Jordan, you would really love the brothers Karamazov, or you would really love Lord of the Rings. And I was embarrassed because I would think, okay, this guy knows me. I'm going to try to read it. And I would get through about 10 pages and, and I would put it down. I couldn't get through it. Um, and that, and I'm a law student. I mean, I, I, I can read, um, I'm not illiterate. I, I can read. I've read very difficult stuff before we were in great books together. All of that. Well, was, that's what I was going to kind of ask too, because you and I met many podcast listeners know now that we met in the great books program at our college. And I never really thought about this, but was great books hard for you? I do not recall you listening to audiobooks of the great books no. while we were together. No. Or is this something that really became vital for you in a post-law school landscape? Yeah. yeah, a little bit of both. So with great books, it was assigned. And so I would make myself do it. And there and time plays a component in all of it. And this. time plays a component. Yeah. I think what happened is post-law school, um, part of it was I was tired of reading. But I think a bigger part was now that I had free time again, you know, for the first time after law school, I felt like I had free had free time. Mm-hmm. It had been 20 years, it felt like, uh, that I had my nights and weekends back. And I wanted to want to read, like I wanted to read this book or that book. But with my when when it came time to have leisure time, that was not my go-to. I actually had to be in the mood to read. Mm-hmm. And then oftentimes I'd start to read and think, I don't want to do this right now. Mm-hmm. I'd rather do something more active. And so I remember getting through just, you know, a dozen pages of the Brothers Karamazov and thinking, well, it's, I don't want to do it anymore. Right. When I discovered audiobooks, it was easy. Mm-hmm. I started tearing through what I call tomes, you know, like Conqueror Classic, right. Lord of the Rings. I, I got through all of those and loved it. It was enjoyable. It was fun. I couldn't read more than 10 pages. Mm-hmm. Uh, or I, It's not that I couldn't. I didn't. Right, you didn't. I didn't. And, and there is something to that phrase, couldn't. It, it's not necessarily that you were incapable of it right, or didn't have right. the skill for it, but it is that maybe your time was limited or... Yeah. This way, you know, you have a commute. That's one thing that is kind of different about our reading lives. Part of the reason audiobooks have never necessarily been a huge part of my reading life, especially in a bookshelf world, is because we live five minutes from the bookshelf. And so so, so I have no commute to listen to books. We'll talk about when I listen to my audiobooks. But you have a 45-minute commute at minimum. And so that's 45 minutes where why not listen to an audiobook? It probably feels very... I know how your brain and my brain works. I think it probably feels very efficient to you. <laughs> it feels efficient. It also feels therapeutic. Like yeah. with with Lord of the Rings, for instance, I love that content. I mm-hmm. love that substance. I, I would have loved it as a high schooler. But when I tried to read it, I couldn't make progress with it. I my I don't read as well as you do. I've seen mm-hmm. the way that you read a book. You You're able to turn the page consistently yes. and efficiently. <laughs> you And you absorb it and you know what you're reading. For me, it, it takes a long time. I mean, you've seen me try to read books. And I, I, I still do read. I think it's important for everybody to do a little bit of both, um, at least. 
But when I sit down to read, it takes me longer. Uh, it's more of a slog. Yeah. Audiobooks doesn't take any effort for me. You like I, it. I love it. Yeah. And I absorb it. And I can tell you everything about it after I do it. So the reason I wanted to talk about this now on a podcast episode, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I feel like you and I actually did do a podcast episode about audiobooks. Mm-hmm. It was a while ago. Mm-hmm. I should I should look up the episode. We'll try to put a link to it in the show notes. So we've done this before, but we hadn't done it recently. And last week, I recorded an episode of Literary Therapy. And one of the voicemails I got was a voicemail from a listener named Andrea. And I may feature Andrea's full question on a future episode. I'm not sure. But her question was essentially about audiobooks. She and her husband are about to have their first child and she thought audiobooks would be a good thing that they could potentially listen to together mm-hmm. while they while they spend probably many sleepless nights with their with their new baby. So she kind of put forth this idea of, hey, when do you listen to audiobooks? What audiobooks do you recommend? And so we're going to get into specific recommendations that you and I both have mm-hmm. because we read pretty differently. But I wanted to ask maybe some specifics. So I wanted to ask first of all, what when you look for an audiobook, you've already mentioned some big books that you've accomplished through audiobook format. I have an hour limit that I look at when I'm looking to download an audiobook. I'm curious if you do. Meaning, do you look mm. at an audiobook and think, oh, that's too short, I want a tome? Or do you think, oh, that's too long? Like, what is your perfect audiobook right. length? Um, I don't think in those terms at all. Interesting. I, I actually go on Libro FM, and it's very user-friendly. Uh, and I go on Libro, and I... I have about 30 books in my wish list right now. Okay. And so anytime someone recommends a book, I go on there and I put it in my wish list, no mm-hmm. matter if I have credits at the time or not. Yeah. And I just I just think, once I finish one, I think, what am I in the mood for? What's the last thing I read? And it's, it's a diverse group of books. There's history, there's fiction, there's old, new, all, you know, sometimes you'll recommend one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll think I want that one. And I've done ones that are, 40 hours, mm-hmm. you know, because they're multi-volume. And I've done some that are abri- that, that are so abridged that I almost feel like I'm wasting a credit, like right. under five hours, you know. Oh, interesting. So, so it, it, it's just what I want to read at the moment. And when I get a good one, oh, it's so good. So that's how I treat my physical book. Right, life. right. When I am scrolling Libro FM, I've never utilized the wish list. So now I'm kind of like, oh, I've oh got maybe 30 I need to right do that. Now. But part of it is that I can air quotes, expense my audiobooks <laughs> to, to the bookshelf. Flex. <laughs> um, but I think I might start utilizing a wish list. But I will always look. And if a book is longer than 10 hours, I just don't know that I I don't have a commute that you mm-hmm. have. And so I'm thinking I listen to audiobooks when I'm cleaning our house, mm-hmm. when I'm going on walks, or when you and I road trip. And that's about it. Like, And <clears throat> occasionally, like, if I've got to go to Target in Tallahassee, like, then I look and see if I have an audiobook. But I also listen to podcasts. And so my audiobook listening time is kind of limited right. or, or at least more limited than yours. And so I don't really want a book – like, I know other podcast listeners have listened to um, The Count of Monte Cristo, and mm-hmm. Hunter, I think, has supplemented his physical book reading with the audiobook edition. I don't want to read a tome that way because I can read faster, as you have alluded mm-hmm. to. I can read faster Absolutely. in physical book format. And so I want 10 or fewer hours that I know if I clean our house, and I frequently will do that on a Monday, and it's about a six-hour job. Well, I've just read three quarters of an audio book and that feels good to me. And so I frequently will look for a 10 hours or fewer long audio book. What speed do you, this is the other thing that I find fascinating. Maybe you don't. What speed do you listen to? Almost always one. Okay. I also don't find an, an urgent need to clear the deck. I, yes. I don't feel like if I get the 40 hour book, and it stays there for six months, right. and I also buy another one in the meantime, you know, the, the, I, I don't feel a need to clear the deck until I get about 80% through with the book, and then I'm like, okay, let's get it done. Yes. I'm, I'm okay to let it linger. And that's harder for me. Yeah. I can't really listen to a ton of audiobooks at once. I mean, obviously, mm, right. I, I don't mean simultaneously. I just mean <laughs> I can't. <laughs> that would be ridiculous. Um, in multiple I, languages. <laughs> but I can't. 
I kind of, I get them muddied in my brain. Okay, right. Interestingly, I don't feel that way about physical books at all. And so it's just fascinating. Mm, how the mind works in that yes, way. Yes, yeah. how my brain works versus how yours yeah. works. Um, I always also listened at one. I didn't even know it was an option to listen mm-hmm. at different speeds until I think maybe some friends in my book club referenced it. Maybe even some podcast listeners referenced it. I am still between one and 1.3. I don't think I've gone above 1.3. I have friends who listen at very high speeds, and I, and I think that's great. I cannot retain yeah. information that way. I think maybe I pressed that button um, on a biography that was boring me, and I was just thinking, okay, let me just see how much I can get through. But But in general... I really love a good narration. I was about to say, it depends on the narrator, too. There are some narrators who it benefits them to be sped up just a smidge. Again, I'm not talking. I don't listen to more than one point. You curate your own narration. Yeah, but but many narrators, their cadence is important. And and so, or for me, anyway, to, to listen to it. And so... Yeah, I'm a I'm a 1.0 to 1.3. I don't think I've ever done even a 1.5. I don't think, but I I know people who do so hot so much higher. I can't. Yeah, and I I'd be curious. I'd really be curious to know anyone listening. If you're one of those people that likes the two or, or greater, two times or greater, I'd be curious to know if you find that you love checking things off your to do list. In other right. words, is it a huge? I'm not going to say compulsion, but like, is it a huge joy? To say, I finished, I finished, I finished, I finished. For me, there's a lot of joy in starting a new book. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I'm a J on Myers-Briggs, but I'm a weak J. So I can let things linger and get enjoyment out of that. I also wonder if it has to do to you and I may... Uh, we may be the same about this. So I can't listen to an audiobook while I'm doing work. So for example, if I'm listening to an audiobook at work, and I occasionally will at the bookshelf, it's because I'm opening bills. Like I'm literally doing something rote. Yes. Using a letter opener and opening all the bills. The moment I have to pay the bills and do math, the audiobook gets turned off. Yeah. The moment I have to type an email, the audiobook gets turned off. Yeah. Because otherwise I will type whatever the narrator has just said. Like, <laughs> uh, like I, my brain cannot, right. m- my brain can't handle it. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, can you listen to audiobooks while working? I would think not. Not, not well. Yeah. I, I've tried before, you know, on a Saturday working outside around the house. But, you know, I, I do remember a time that I enjoyed an audiobook when I was, um, like raking leaves off the roof. And I remember I was listening to um, 1984. Okay. And there was part of that where I was really enjoying it. But but I can't do something any less rote than like raking leaves off yes. the roof. Yes, housework like, I can listen and to. I can an drive, I, yes. And I love, another thing about me, I love driving. I love being in the car. It is, it is a joy to me. And I can definitely do other things while I do that, including listen to a book. But... No, it, you know, if I actually have to really do something that causes my brain to have to work, I'd rather listen to a podcast. Right. I'd rather listen to a sports podcast or, you know, a, a financial podcast or something like that. The only other kind of audiobook specific question I have before we kind of move into the recommendation portion of the program is a question that I honestly don't know your answer to. So I'll be curious to hear it. Could um, be shocking. <laughs> so audiobooks for me have become both something where I maybe listen to only the audiobook version or a lot of times it's a supplementary tool. So if I Hmm. really love a book, I want to be with that book all the time. I want to spend time with that book. (laughs) And so I'll download the audiobook so that I can, while I'm at work, still be Hmm. reading. While I'm in the car, still be reading. Yeah, still be be listening. Um, One of the audiobooks I just recently completed, I think I will... will on my Instagram reviews, I will say that I listened to the audiobook because I did. I probably listened to 75% of the book on audio, but I also read my physical copy and took notes in my physical copy. Now, I don't do both at once. So I don't listen to an mm-hmm. audiobook while holding the book. I know readers who do that. I don't. But I do occasionally listen to an audiobook. Then let's say I get home and I get home from Target. And I pick up my physical copy, turn to the page where I've now dropped off in my audiobook and read several chapters. Then maybe I clean the kitchen. And so I put the audiobook in. I do that a lot, way more than I ever thought I would. Do you do that? Do you, or is, are you really mostly reading 100% of a book in audiobook format? 
if I'm doing the audiobook, and I also do physical books, but not as much, but if I'm doing the audiobook, I'm generally only listening. Mm-hmm. Now, there are two exceptions to that. One is if I start an audiobook and it becomes apparent, and we may talk about this later, I don't know, but I think some books are more conducive to being listened to mm-hmm. versus being read. Yes. And so sometimes I'll get one where I start listening to it and I realize, oops, this falls into that category of something that I really need to read. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that generally falls in the category of non, for me, nonfiction books that introduce new concepts and that where you need to like be able to look at the chart or look at the Myers-Briggs type, yeah. take notes, like, like a science book or yeah. something you want to highlight. That's one. And then the other time is when I listen to an audiobook and like, it's like an instant classic to mm-hmm. Jordan Jones. It's like ESPN, like the game just went off, but then it's instant classic and you just flip over and watch it on ESPN classics. <laughs> this has happened a few times where I'll read a book you know, like um, A Republic, if you can keep it. Like, I, I I listened to that book on audiobook and immediately was like, as a lawyer, mm-hmm. I have to have that book. Mm-hmm. And and so I'll buy it. Right. And I won't necessarily read it again. Right. But, but it'll be on it my shelf. Library. It's on my library. Yeah. And the other day I was like, I remember him saying something. I need to see what that case was. Right. And so I went back and I looked and I found it. Yeah. Um, and that happens about, you know, 5% of the time. And a lot of people, I think, we have customers who do that with ebooks where they have read the ebook and then they come in the store and they're like, but I need a physical right. copy. Right. Or the other day somebody came in and they had had a book from the library. They had had a book from the library, but they immediately came to the bookshelf and said, oh, but now I need, I read it, my, I read the library book version, but now I need these people on my shelf. Right. Like, I need well, these characters in my home. And I'll be honest, some of the very best books that I've ever listened to on audio, I don't feel a need to buy the book. I got the content. I need, right. So it just kind of varies. Yeah. So let's dive into some specifics. And maybe <clears throat> as we talk about some of our recommendations, we can also talk about books like you said, that maybe are more conducive to audiobook listening than they are even to the physical book format. So I divided these into my picks, your picks, and then mutual listens. Are mutual listens ones that we listen to together or ones that we both listen to at some point? Both. Maybe individually. Okay, both. All right. So we we do listen together yes. That's on road trips now. And we'll stu- still do podcast episodes. But on road trips, we often will download an audiobook and yes. listen to it together. So we'll talk about that. Um, but then we also have books where, like, you've listened to the audiobook version and immediately told me to. Yes. Or vice versa. Yes. So I'll go first with a couple of recommendations, and then you do a couple yep. of yours. So my first couple are books. Um, the first one I'll talk about just briefly is Anna Kay by Jenny Lee. This was narrated by the actress uh, Jenna Ushkowitz. And I do find that a lot of fiction narrated by a voice actor or a former actor-actress mm. or a stage actor-actress actually... It really captivates me Absolutely. because it's a performance. Absolutely. Um, and it enhances the reading. So Anna Kay was a book that I picked up because we had Hunter and I had read Anna Karenina together. And as a reward, we were reading this like young adult adaptation of Anna Kay. And I was reading the physical copy, but it wasn't <laughs> wasn't going fast enough for my taste. I downloaded the audiobook and loved the narrator, loved mm. the story. I remember distinctly reading it around November, December. And so I was able to like decorate for Christmas while listening to the audiobook. It added something to have the narration. And that's like the, when the Oscars, you're like, what is sound mixing? <laughs> like that adds something to the movie. And I yes. think sometimes this does too. Sometimes audiobooks, I think are even better than, yes. than, yep. the, than yep. the print format. And I may have liked Anna Kay anyway, but I really loved the audiobook. Another one that falls into this category, and actually that is a book I think you would really enjoy, is Falling by T.J. Newman. This is a book I read in audiobook format last summer. It was a book that I only read in audiobook format. I did not have the physical copy. The narrator is a guy named Stephen Weber, who's, a, who's an actor. And I just had the best time listening to him. He, I thought it was such a phenomenal adaptation. I was on the edge of my seat. I was, dri- I was on a road trip by myself driving, and I felt like I did not want to stop the car because I thought, mm. no, I am invested. Yeah, and, and part I've, of that I've was part of that was the action element. It was, uh, which is kind of interesting. I have not always been great at listening to fiction books in audiobook mm. format. I kind of always thought I preferred nonfiction in audiobook format. Um, but this is an example where the story is pretty riveting. It's about a hijacked plane. And so the action, it almost felt like it was playing out in a radio program or in a movie in my mind. Uh, and so that's Falling by T.J. Newman, narrated by Stephen Weber. 
Another one that I would put in this category is the book Funny You Should Ask. This is a romantic comedy that I read earlier this year by Alyssa Sussman, but it was narrated by a voice actress named Kristen C. And I loved this book. This was this is an example of one of those books that I started reading the physical copy. Loved it so much, I did not want to put it down, but I had to go to work. So I went to work, listened to it in audiobook format, came home, finished it in physical book format. <laughs> That's really funny to and me. Then, <laughs> yeah, because I just loved it yeah. so much. And I was like, no, I'm invested. Right. I want to I spend all yeah. day with these people. And the only way I could do that right. and still get work done was because of audiobooks. And, and sure enough, it's one that I kind of kept downloaded in my phone and through Libra FM and when I needed just like a pick-me-up, I would listen to a chapter because I already knew the story. I'd already finished it. Yeah. I'd already read it. And I just loved being with those people so much. Yeah, that's really funny. That, so, that's, that's interesting. I've never had that happen. So what about you? Give me an audiobook or two that you have really loved. Yeah, so for me, I think there are books that are more conducive to listening versus reading and others that are more conducive to reading than listening. And on the far end of the scale, books that I would say are the most conducive for listening, like for me, are ones that almost are more like plays. Oh, um, yes. You know, with with voice actors, it's kind of like, you know, if you love Shakespeare, uh, like me, you know, you might like to read Shakespeare plays. Mm-hmm. I love reading Shakespeare plays. But that is not what those were intended. That, that, that That's not the medium those were intended to be enjoyed through. They were supposed to be acted out. And there are some books like that that are just much better, I think, when they're being acted out by voices. And Lincoln and the Bardo mm. is the perfect example of this. Um, I think that the the physical book is a little confusing. Right. Um, and, and even off-putting, you might not be able to get through the first few pages because it's off-putting, but that's not because it's a bad book. It's just because it's, it's, I think it's better as a play. Mm. And the audiobook was so well done. You had you had 50 different voices, one of which was Nick Offerman. And, you know, it was phenomenal. Something that's also kind of like that is Behind Her Eyes. Uh, very different type of fiction. But that was an audiobook I loved because it's it's like first person, I don't know, what's the, how do you say it? It's like first person narrative, but it's multiple different narrators. Right. And um, I don't want to spoil anything, but there comes a time in the audiobook where a new narrator starts talking and it's off-putting and it takes you aback and then you start to realize it's a major plot point and yeah. it almost like I I think I almost was like what like I mean like my jaw dropped open but that you know in those types of books Lincoln and the Bardo and Behind Her Eyes the the voices add to the experience and they're almost produced like radio plays absolutely so you were who recommended Lincoln and the Bardo to me I, the audio version. Yes. Yeah. I absolutely adored the audiobook version. And I do <clears> think that book would have been less accessible to me personally as a reader had I not listened to yeah. it. I think listening to it made that book a little bit easier for me to devour. Yeah. The other book that comes to mind or that I just finished recently, I don't know if I would have liked the print version of this book, but it's called Acts of Violet by Marguerite Montemore. It's a book that Olivia read and loved, but I listened to the audiobook and it wound up, it's it's a kind of a mystery book and there's a podcast element. And so the audiobook format pretends to be a podcast and there's like theme music oh, and the narrator changes yep. to be narrated by the podcast yep. host. And then there are different interviews. And so each interview is a different person, different narrator. And so that was a book that I think, sure, I could have read the physical version and Olivia read the physical version and loved it. But I think my reading was enhanced and made better yes. by listening to yep. it. A book that Erin Fielding, um, who works at the bookshelf, she just finished was how Not to Drown in a Glass of Water. This is by Angie Cruz. I just download, downloaded this audiobook because Aaron said, oh, this the book is this woman who is kind of looking for a job. And so she's at these different job interviews. And then some of the book is transcripts. Some of the book is email format. Mm. And she said the audiobook is narrated. And sure enough, it's narrated by Kimberly Weatherall and then Rosemary Almonte. And they kind of alternate, but also it's just, it's told like in an interview format or there are sound effects. Like it's a production. It's a production. And that's how Lincoln and the Bardo felt. It's how Acts of Violet felt. It feels like you're listening to an old, an old timey radio show is the only way. Or or live theater, you know, with, with music and, and everything. Yes. 
another category, I don't know that this would be true for you, um, but I do want to just briefly highlight the celebrity memoir that is narrated by the celebrity. Mm. There are a few examples of this. I, not every celebrity should narrate their own memoir. That's not what I'm saying. Okay. But there are a few who are quite good at it. So earlier this year, I listened to Going There by Katie Couric. I think I could have read that book just fine, but I think my reading was better because Katie Kirk was in my ear reading it to me, and there were snippets of her actual news broadcast mm-hmm. or her Today shows, like, put in the audio version. Yep. And I think I could have read that, but I just had a blast listening to it. Yes. Um, Stanley Tucci's Taste. Mm-hmm. I liked that book in print format. I loved it in audiobook format. Um, the book, The Wreckage of My Presence by Casey Wilson. I don't know that I would have read that book at all, but Casey Wilson was such a delight to have in my ears that I could not put it down. And, and it was an audiobook that I started on a road trip and then I got home and like kept listening to it in the shower, like could not put it down. Yeah. I love the idea that when you're listening to an author narrate his or her own book, mm-hmm. that, that narrator is telling you a story with the exact same inflection that's intended. Yes. And I've read several books by Supreme Court justices where they narrate their own, and and it's astounding because you feel the hurt in their voice. You feel the triumph. You feel the passion. You know, when you're reading a book, Part, part of the joy of reading a book is you're narrating it yourself, mm-hmm. right? You're hearing the voices. You yeah. you you read Hunger Games and you think, okay, I imagine PETA is this. I imagine Katniss is that. And then you see the movie and you think, well, uh, that doesn't sound like that's, that voice is too high, <laughs> yeah. you know, or whatever. And But with, with when you're listening to a narration, that is how the author slash narrator intended it to be said. And and I think there is something about the memoir, too. Like, I don't think mm. that that's always true of fiction writers because I don't know that fiction right. writers are necessarily great at reading their own work. I think it totally depends. But if you're an actor and you've written a book, you're probably going to be great at— right. It's literally your job right. to to tell a story right. in that format it's and acting. in that way. It's part of acting. The, another book that I read this way was You'll Never Believe What Happened to Lacey, which is— I. I'm laughing because it's a very funny book about racism and it's told by Amber Ruffin. She's a writer for Late Night with Seth Meyers. Um, She's a comedian in her own right. And she co-wrote this book with her sister, Lacey. And Lacey lives in the Midwest and she kind of is recounting all of these racist interactions that Lacey endured. But it's these two sisters narrating together. And it was like sitting at across from a, right. a table where these two sisters are joking back and forth. Overhearing the conversation. Yes. Yeah. And so that, I don't know, that really, I don't know that I would have had as good of a reading experience, even though I love physical books and I love print books. There are some cases in which I actually think the audiobook is better. Yeah. Okay, talk to me about some other maybe fiction books that you've listened to in audiobook format. Yeah, I've found that, um, I mentioned this before, there are some tomes that are fiction that audiobooks kind of saved my life on. Lord of the Rings was one of of these things. I love Lord of the Rings. I love the story. I love almost everything about it. But I had not read... Lord of the Rings um, until I was quite later in life. And it was, I finally got an audiobook from the 90s where this British guy narrates and he actually sings in places where the hobbits are actually singing. Like they're yeah. like in the book you see it's italicized. Yeah. And it's like, you know, Pippin goes around and like there's a song for when you take a bath and there's a song for when you're on the road and there's a song for when you eat and there's a song for when you drink. You know, whatever you're doing, there's a song for it. And this old, I mean, it sounds like his 80-year-old British guy, <laughs> the delight to hear that man sing that mm-hmm. truly brought it to life in a way that I, I couldn't get past 10 pages. Mm-hmm. So uh, th- apparently there's a new Lord of the Rings version that's even better. My Tolkien friend recommended it, so I need to check that out. Uh, but Lord of the Rings, and then, I mean, like I said before, some of these tomes I got through because of audiobooks I would not have been able to otherwise. And then I think another type of book that I really enjoy is fiction books that you kind of have to think about. Uh, gripping fiction, I'll, I'll say it that way, gripping fiction. Things like Blake Crouch books. Oh, um, yeah. You know, Recursion and um, Dark Matter, things where you're kind of thinking like, 
let me put that together. What does that mean, you know, from a scientific standpoint and or from a time the, travel and standpoint? And kind of the action of it. I don't know what it is about a book like that, but I like yeah. the audio versions of that too. It ups the ante. Yeah. It, it makes it feel like it's as intense it's, it's, as it's, put, it's meant rushing to, to the to the conclusion. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy another type of book on audio where you have like a um what do you say? It's like a a narrator that you can't miss, an unreliable narrator. Oh, yeah. Yes. Um, the Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime was just very, just very funny and also heartwarming to me because it's about a kid with autism, mm-hmm. you know, and um, the, the book is narrated by this boy. And the audiobook is just phenomenal. The, the, it's a good narrator. He just mm-hmm. does a good job of sounding like a kid that age. Yeah. Um, a couple other ones are Defending Jacob, uh, When Breath Becomes Air. When Breath then, Becomes Air is is a memoir, though. Like, that yeah. falls into that memoir category. I can't remember who narrated that one. You know, you're talking about the different voices or different... Um, I just was thinking there's a book that I've been listening to, and I've been listening to it for a while, but that's honestly just because I started listening to it when I had COVID. And so it was like my steamy shower. I don't mean steamy like... <laughs> I don't mean steamy like PG-13 rated R. Unclogging your nostrils. (laughs) I mean, yeah, it was, uh, I was taking these steamy showers to try to clear my head. And I would listen to this just while I was um, in those showers. And it was All That's Left Unsaid, which is a new fiction book by Tracy Leanne. And I was listening to that audiobook. I loved the narrator because the author is Australian. Mm. And so, of course, the narration then is also Australian. But because the book is kind of told from these few different perspectives. I was listening, 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 thought, oh, this is great. And then the next chapter, if it's not a child, it's some actress doing a phenomenal (laughs) childlike voice. Because all of a sudden, I was a little bit like, wait, what? Like, it kind of jolted me into reawakening and kind of re-listening to this book. Um, And I thought, oh, this, like, it immediately got my attention. Right. And and made me pay attention. Right. Like I really, I'm really enjoying that book. And it's partly because there are different narrators and there is that voice of a child. I also think about the book Rabbit Cake by Annie Hartnett. This is a backlist title, but the book is narrated by a kid. And the audiobook narrator is not a kid, but she's got that cadence. Right. So down pat. Like I I just fell in love with that character because because I heard her so vividly in my brain. Um, you've been listening to a couple of recent audiobooks. A lot yes. of the books we've talked about are a little bit what we would call backlist titles. What are some maybe more frontlist or more recent picks that you've been listening to in audiobook format? So right now I'm in the middle of the one uh, one that you recommended, which is Everything Sad is Untrue. Yes, um, and, and that's I'm, narrated by the author. Yes, yes. And it, it's really funny because he he narrates at least the part that I'm in right now is his elementary school yes. years, middle school years. And there are some things that he, the way that he says it, you know that he was there for it. And you know that he was a sixth grade boy, uh-huh. you know, for it. Um, you know, the way he talks about girls, you know, he likes this girl and she doesn't notice him. And so he just decides to wait around until she decides to like him and doesn't think he's weird. And, and just the way that he talks, like everyone who's a man or a boy, we've been there, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just, he, he does a good job of narrating it. And then um, I also just finished one that's not, it's a little bit older, but it's called The Fourth Turning, and it's nonfiction, and it's about generations. It's about oh. the generations in the United States and about how each one plays a different role, and uh, millennials and Gen Xers and boomers and silence and GIs and what they all went through and what happens when they each come of age in different life phases. Really, oh. and it's like seasonal. Oh, it's okay. like fall, winter, and, and every society goes through each of those turnings. And huh. so the fourth turning is where we are now when millennials are coming of age mm. uh, and we're the heroes of the story right now. And ah. the prophets, the older ones, are the boomers. And oh, it's, it's really interesting. That's a good example of one where I thought, man, I really probably need the physical version of this mm-hmm. book because I need to highlight it and I need to make notes. Yeah. And then there's another one that I just finished on audiobook called Death is But a Dream, mm-hmm. which was you talked about this nonfiction a of a different type yeah. where, you know, this is about a— a man who is a medical doctor, and he went into the profession, and he discovered that he he, he felt like he was being called to hospice, mm-hmm. uh, which he says is kind of looked down on in the medical field, um, because hospice is acknowledging that medicine can't do anything else. Mm-hmm. It's time to minister to the soul instead of the body. And uh, so he was telling 
true stories. It's a research project of um, the visions and the dreams that people have at, at their end of life, hmm. uh, from kids to old men and women, and uh, truly, truly touching and heartbreaking, but also incredibly joyful and amazing and upbeat, honestly. Um, and he documents, like a research, it's a research project he's doing, he documents the similarities, you know, regardless of the background of their faith or their age or their culture, they have similar dreams and oh, similar visions. That might be good for folks who liked When Breath Becomes Here, which you mentioned 100%. earlier. 100%. And yeah. he references that book. Oh, okay. Um, so it's very much in that same area. But it's not a memoir when Breath Becomes Air is more about Paul uh, Kalamathi's life and who mm-hmm. he was as a man and as a doctor. Whereas this, there is overlap, but this is a an MD's objective study mm-hmm. of, of willing, consenting, dying people. Yeah. Um, and it's about their lives. And it's a more of a cross-section. But it is really touching really good. So you and I, I think it's apparent, do read very differently when we listen to our audiobooks. I am drawn to either memoirs or or well well narrated fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, you really like kind of unreliable narrators or nonfiction or when you're trying to kind of get through a classic work of literature. Yes. I think there is some overlap. Um, I just finished a book called The River of the Gods by Candace Millard. I think that's a book actually that you would also love. It's got a great narrator, but it's nonfiction about the exploration of the Nile. Mm. And I think you would yeah, love that Yeah, I think book. I would like that too. Um, but you and I also listen to audiobooks together. So we do this when we are on road trips, when we're headed to an airport because there is no airport locally, like when we're headed out of town to head to go somewhere, you and I will download an audiobook. What do you think... I know I mostly am the one curating it, but what do you think we look for in a mutual audiobook listen? Either something relating to, it's usually nonfiction, and it's either true crime. Okay. Or have done a lot of true crime. Or essays, or something related to the production of the arts. So one of the most memorable, and I, I love this about our road trips. I love, I always look forward to this. One of the ones we did was the book about the Harper Lee book that never came to be, uh, Furious Hours. Oh, I forgot um, we read that, that one on audio. That, You're that, right. That was phenomenal to yeah. me. And that was true crime, but it was also culture. Yes. It like, it and something you and I were both familiar with. Like yes. it took place partly at Lake Martin. Yeah, where and we you were driving up. through yeah. different we areas and, and they were like, this used to be, you know, a church. And like, <laughs> yeah. oh, now the church is at the bottom of the lake and I see it right there. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it was bizarre. Um, so, you know, true crime um, or, or or fiction crime, like yeah, we Survive did, the Night. I was about to say, we did Survive um, the Night, the Riley Sager book, which isn't a book maybe that I really love, but I sure did love reading it because you and I were kind of on the edge of our seats by the end. Absolutely. And, yeah, and, it was good. And we were pulling into the driveway of our destination when we finished. Yeah. And I think we're both really glad we had done that. Yes. And then the John, I, I can't say enough about the John Green collection of essays I, I i don't know how you beat it 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 is like i mean it is like a pinnacle of art yeah uh for 2022 i wonder if that's partly because he is such an expert storyteller across types of stories mm. so he hosts a podcast he's great at video content because that audiobook was such a pleasure to listen to. Just a yes. true delight. And I think you and I and a maybe— a lot of content. I learned so much. Yes. Like, we're like, I like things where we learn. And we're like, oh, I didn't know that. Well, that's what I was going to say. Because we also have done, I feel like, some David Sedaris books. Yes. And those are hilarious. But they are very different. Like, very different. It's, it's very personal. It's a yeah. memoir. Whereas these John Green essays— I mean, I was moved to tears Yeah, you don't know whether to laugh or cry. Yeah, we're la- yeah. dying laughing in the car. Yeah. Like, it just, it was so unique. And I found it incredibly easy to listen to, much like I recommend physical essay books for people who are short on time or maybe new moms yeah. who are adjusting to a new reading life. You can you can knock out an yes. essay in like five minutes. Yes. And it's hard, it's hard to even say what the theme is. I mean, the only theme is that like, he gives something a certain number of stars. Like, right. I give this one star or two stars. He's he's making fun and poking fun of the fact that in 2022, everything gets reviewed. Right. You know, you go, it's like, this church got four stars. Maybe we should go there. You know, <laughs> this restaurant got two stars. This movie got 10 stars, you know. And he's joking about, like, 
trying to apply the star system to like rainbows and like Coca-Cola and all these things. But the essays are just like, I, I can't even describe beyond that what the book's about. Right. But you just have to trust us. Oh, it's so phenomenal. It, it'll be one of my favorite books of the year. Um, even though it was published last year, I just loved it so much. And he narrates it, right? Yeah. That was, oh, yeah. yeah, that was John Green. I think he's quite gifted in that way. The Another book that I just want to talk about, because you and I just finished it. I think I've mentioned it on the podcast before because we had started it, um, oh, I don't know, a few weeks ago, maybe a month or two ago. But we finally finished it. And it's directed by James mm -hmm. Burroughs, which is by James Burroughs. You and I have talked a lot, even if we've just talked around it, we've talked a lot about the power of the audiobook narrator. And I think this is kind of an exception to that because I think you and I both agreed that James Burroughs, the beloved iconic director of classic television shows. Of every show that you've liked. Yeah, yeah, is not a particularly gifted audiobook narrator. Agreed. And yet, and you know what? We listened to that. You don't know this, but we listened to that at 1.1. I sped him up. Okay. Well, that's why That's why he wasn't gifted is because no, we artificially he, no, sped him up. we sped him up because, bless him, he needed it. Um, I did not find him to be a particularly great audiobook narrator. Agreed. And yet, because you and I had watched Cheers, because we f were familiar and watched Friends and Will and Grace and all of these shows that he played a hand in, yeah. I did find his narration endearing, even yes. though I did not, I felt like that wasn't maybe the best thing he was, the thing he was best at. Agreed. And I don't know that if I had sat down and read it, I, I would have done better in in, in fact either. in fact there was one um when he started talking about cheers which i think is more of his baby mm -hmm. than any of the other shows even though he did a lot of shows th there was a moment in time where where he was reading the script yes you know to help the listener understand why it was funny yeah. or, or how the characters interplayed and he was reading sam and diane and cliff and norm sitting at the bar and i looked at you and i said he is he doesn't sound like those those folks. Right. But he's reading those lines with the exact same cadence yes. and passion, the exact same cadence and passion that we had just watched. Because yes. we were watching we, Cheers yeah, at the same time. Right and and enunciating the exact and, and you know he directed that. Yes. He probably told Ted Danson, exactly say it like say this. It yeah. You know, and and if not, maybe Ted Danson said it a certain way, and James Burroughs remembered that's how he said yeah. it, so that's what it became. And so, so I I could sense a piece of himself in that. Beyond that, yeah, that was the only time where I thought, oh, I'm glad he's narrating it. Right. <laughs> you know, and, other than and that, yeah, you're right. I don't know if I would have liked the physical book better. Now, the book got yeah. great reviews. Like critics liked it. Yeah. Um, it is. I think it is a legitimately good book. Yeah, I agreed. also, I like books like that. I weirdly take away a lot in terms of management style. Like I'm, I'm fascinated oh, by right. how shows are run and I weirdly. Interpersonal relationships, yeah, I actually, personalities. I find them to be the most yeah. effective business books. Um, but I am glad we listened to it because I don't know if I would have enjoyed it anymore in print format, despite him maybe not being the world's best narrator. It's still very much his story. And right. so it was kind of lovely to hear him tell it. Right. And I think he's comfortable with the fact that he's oh, I good think at he directing yeah. and he was a terrible at everything else. Yeah. I, I would also mention that I, I think this book was very good because not only did he go through kind of all of the shows that he participated in and worked on, at the end he gives good advice to people in show business. So yeah. if you find yourself, you know, in a career where you're getting into directing or acting or anything even, you know, remotely relating to theater, he yeah. was also talking about live theater a lot. And yeah, the difference you can tell he loved live, loves he, live theater. He gives good advice. Yeah. Like, like if that were my craft, it's like some of the books I read by Supreme Court justices or lawyers mm -hmm. where it's like I'm, I'm also sitting at this man or this woman's feet and learning about how to perfect my craft. Yeah. If 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 show business or anything related to it is your craft, you've got to read it. Yeah. Agreed. So those are some of the books. I'll be curious. You and I are headed on a road trip, kind of a small one, at the end of October. And it'll be interesting to see what we pick Ooh, it will be. Uh, going into fall. But I really have turned around on audiobooks. And I think that it is partly due to you. So thank you so much. So are you admitting that you were wrong before? Yes. Okay, that's very big of you. It's important to. We don't have enough wrong. of that. We don't have enough of that today. It's hard for from me. No, no, no. In general, <laughs> you're good at it. You're good at it. 
We, yeah, we, well, that's what I said at the top of the episode. We need to be willing to say we have to be willing to say we, we were wrong. We want to change our minds. Yeah, yeah. And I'm glad I changed my mind about audiobooks. Truly, audiobooks I do feel like partly saved my reading life over the pandemic. Um, they certainly they certainly enhanced it, and I think kept me reading at a time when my brain wasn't always capable of the printed format. That's interesting that it caught it took the pandemic to get you there. You know, even in my healthiest of states, I couldn't get through certain books. And I think it's important when you see someone else that maybe uses a different medium Mm -hmm. than you do to realize it might not be that they're immature or stupid. It might it might be that they just learn differently. And yeah. like I've managed people who learn differently, right? Right. Who who audio, visual, or they have to do it. They have right. to physically do it. And we're all different. And uh, I think it's important to figure out what what you need, um, so that then you can take in whatever that thing is, and then be able to discuss it with your friends. Right. Because the point is, we want to be reading. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. Thanks, Jordan. Glad to be here. This week, I'm reading The Absolutely True Diary of a Part-Time Indian by Sherman Alexi. Jordan, what are you reading? Uh, I'm reading on an audiobook, uh, <laughs> Everything Sad is Untrue by Daniel Nayiri, and just finished The Fourth Turning by William Strauss and Neil Howe. From the Front Porch is a weekly podcast production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in Thomasville, Georgia. You can follow The Bookshelf's daily happenings on Instagram at bookshelfteville, and all the books from today's episode can be purchased online through our store website, bookshelfthomasville.com. A full transcript of today's episode can be found at fromthefrontporchpodcast.com. Special thanks to Studio D Podcast Production for production of From the Front Porch and for our theme music, which sets the perfect warm and friendly tone for our Thursday conversations. Our executive producers of today's episode are Donna Hetchler, Cammie Tidwell, Nicole Marcy, Wendy Jenkins, Lori Johnson, Kate Johnston Tucker. Thank you all for your support of From the Front Porch. If you'd like to support From the Front Porch, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Your input helps us make the show even better and reach new listeners. All you have to do is open up the podcast app on your phone, look for From the Front Porch, scroll down until you see write a review and tell us what you think. Or if you're so inclined, you can support us over on Patreon, where we have three levels of support, front porch friends, book club companions, and bookshelf benefactors. Each level has an amazing number of benefits like bonus content, access to live events, discounts, and giveaways. Just go to patreon.com forward slash from the front porch. We're so grateful for you, and we look forward to meeting back here next week.